Hi, I'm Haley. And I'm Becky. And this is How to Not Get Killed. That's how I sing the intro. Nice. Every time. That's actually, yeah, that's, okay, now that I know what it is, I, I understand. Mm-hmm. At first I was like, is she just making noises nope. like the way I did when I yes. ran into the room? She came in and I can't even remember now what you did, but it was very interesting. I don't remember either. I don't know. <laughs> but I don't know, whatever, whenever it gets like too quiet in the apartment for me and Drew, one of us will just like look at each other and we'll just go, just like start singing it. But you have to do it like very loud. Ah. It has to be like hurt your ears kind of loud. Like, I know, yeah, and like, you don't have to do it right now, but I know exactly how loud you're talking about. Yeah, and you you can probably imagine Drew doing it is what you're <laughs> hearing in your head. Yeah. Drew can be very loud sometimes. Not all sometimes. the time. Sometimes. But he saves the noisiness for me. He He's always, like, polite around you guys. So yeah. yeah. He holds himself back. But then the second you guys leave, he's like... full volume i'm like no darn so wish i could be a fly on the wall i'll start recording it and i'll just show everybody please do that's what i'm gonna do i'm gonna start outing him and just be like this is what's happening this is what i have to fucking live with everybody this is the new version of our intro song (laughs) drew's singing version the acoustic live version (laughs) all right okay so um Mm -hmm. yeah we're gonna jump into this case okay this case to me feels a little bit like um like sort of I guess relevant in the sense of like there's all this Madeline McCann stuff going on. This isn't Madeline McCann. Okay. I'm not doing I'm not doing that case right now, but it just feels very similar in yeah. a way. Um and and I know we've been talking about all the Madeline McCann stuff. Which maybe by next week when this comes out, maybe there's answers. Who or knows? Or is that too hopeful of me? I don't know. But we're at this at the point right now where the this Polish girl has said that she thinks she's Madeline McCann and we've we've talked about it where we're just sort of yeah. like it would be amazing if she was. I don't I, think that she is, I, but I think it's I think it's highly unlikely. Yeah, but if she was, and the family was like, because they're do they're gonna do DNA testing, and it's definitive, and they're like, yes, this is our daughter. Like, okay, you found her. Like that's yeah. that's not a bad I, thing. It's no, just, I hope it's true. Absolutely, but it it just seems yeah, it seems unlikely. It seems like there's ulterior motives, maybe, or this is a girl who. Is struggling with is, something. Yeah, struggling, didn't have the greatest childhood or, or doesn't have the greatest life and just wants something better and sees this as a way to obtain that. And maybe truly believes it to be true. And She might really believe it. Yeah, no, absolutely. So it, there's a lot of, like, scenarios of, you know, how this could end. But yeah. it's just something that's come up a lot in the media. It's exploded because yeah. obviously the Madeline McCann case was... Gl- like still huge, is, like it's yeah. huge yeah everyone kind of knew about it and still knows about it so any sort of development in that case is going to be plastered everywhere everywhere yeah so, it's like inescapable right now in the true crime world so yeah and i yeah. researched this case like three or four weeks ago so like way before any of this madeline mccann stuff like popped up and i remember researching mm-hmm. and being like this reminds me kind of of like the madeline mccann case yeah um and now Madeline McCann's just everywhere. Everywhere. It's happening. Like, yeah. Yeah. So the case I'm doing today is that of Nicole Morin. So this okay. is somewhat local for us. This is Etobicoke. Oh, you know what? I, yeah. You had this on the list for a while, right? I remember seeing her name. 
I might have. Yeah, I actually, I might have. Yes, okay. on our list, we have a list of just like possible a list. Yeah. topics and cases and stuff that yeah. we do. So yes. So um, okay. So we are um, July thirtieth, nineteen eighty-five. Okay. So this would have been like obviously before we were born. Um, yeah. but our our parents hey, don't tell everyone our age, Haley. <laughs> <laughs> Generally, before we were born in the general area, how many years? I don't know. <laughs> we're not at the point where we need to start hiding our age no, yet, Becky. No, it's true. <laughs> It's true. <laughs> Calm down. It's true. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, this would... Yeah, this was a little bit before our time, but our parents definitely yeah. would have, like, heard have about, heard about yeah. this case. Um, anyone with young children at the time, I think, we've talked about, like, where it's, like, you were either that age when the person went missing and it affects yeah. you in that way that you identify with them or you were, like, a parent of a young child and, like, that's the one that and stuck with you, with you, you know? Exactly, so, I think yeah. this one was one of those cases for a lot of people. So, uh, July 30th, 1985, eight-year-old Nicole Morin had plans to go swimming with her friend Jenny at the pool behind her apartment building. She lived at 627 The West Mall in the area of Rathburn Road and Highway 27 in okay. Etobicoke. Okay. Um, so, like, a pretty extremely developed area. Yeah, I was going to say it's um, pretty populated. Like Absolutely. Uh, so, for those of you that don't necessarily know, Etobicoke's, like, a essentially toronto essentially part of toronto yeah like yeah a, i don't know if it's called like a suburb of toronto but like it's it's almost an extension of yeah. it so like very if, if you're driving through you would think it's toronto yeah exactly it's a very busy yeah. city for sure um at around 10 30 a.m nicole went down to the lobby of her building to pick up the mail and she then went back up to her apartment which was uh the the penthouse on the 20th floor Apologies, you said she was eight or nine she uh was eight eight okay yeah okay so she lived, yeah, she lived on the top floor, the 20th floor. Um, just before 11 a.m., uh, Nicole's friend Jenny buzzed up to Nicole's apartment, letting her know through the intercom that she was waiting for Nicole in the lobby. Mm -hmm. Nicole said, you know, I'll be down in a couple of minutes. She left the apartment wearing a peach-colored one-piece bathing suit, a green hairband, and red canvas shoes. She was carrying a plastic bag with a white T-shirt, green and white shorts, suntan lotion, a hairbrush, a peach-colored blanket, and a purple beach towel. Okay, this sounds like the cutest little beach outfit ever. I know. I know. Okay. You're about to fucking ruin my life, aren't you? Yeah, I am. Okay. Uh, so Nicole's mother was in the apartment because she ran a small, like, daycare group out of, out of their apartment. Okay. Okay. And was tending to the children when Nicole left. It's one of those situations, right, where it's like, okay, my daughter is, yes, she is eight. She's very young. Mm -hmm. But this is the 80s again. And she's going to go down to the mm -hmm. lobby, walk around to the back of the building where the pool is. Like, yeah. the pool that's exclusive to just, like, people in our building and swim with, like, all the other neighborhood kids. I mean, I like, I'll jump in. I, sit, I did that when I was eight. We lived in an yeah. apartment complex. There was four apartment buildings. I was on, like, the second floor. I had a friend that lived in a different building. There was a pool. She often would come and buzz me. And even though I was, like, literally a child mm -hmm. i would just answer the phone go okay i'll be down in a second go out and like my parents were either inside or just doing their own thing yeah yeah it's so normal this is, yeah very normal totally normal um so nicole's mom was still in the apartment about 15 minutes later jenny buzzed up to the apartment again asking nicole's mother where nicole was so nicole's mother jeanette uh told jenny like she left like 15 minutes ago um but she wasn't really worried because she she kind of just thought that like either nicole was like i don't know like playing in the elevators or like playing like a little hide and seek game with jenny or something mm -hmm. and was like 
I'm not going to go straight to the lobby. I'm going to, like, hide from her or something. Or thought that they had just kind of, like, missed each other on their way. Like, Nicole had just gone to the pool. They had missed each other kind of thing. And Nicole was just swimming with the other neighborhood kids. Okay. She didn't – she wasn't really worried at that point. Um, Jenny waited for another 30 minutes and then decided to go swimming by herself. So she went to the pool. And this whole time, Jeanette believed that Nicole had eventually met up with Jenny and they were, like, playing and swimming together. She just thought – she was yeah she was around later that day Jeanette did go down to the pool to check on Nicole um when she realized that Nicole wasn't there and that no one had seen Nicole at the pool that day then she became very worried naturally of course yes um so she called police and reported Nicole missing around 3 p.m in the afternoon that day okay uh Police very quickly began canvassing the area, interviewing all of the residents of the apartment complex. There were 429 apartments in the complex. Oh, so police knocked. Yeah, that's it's a it's a, that's big, a big complex. Apartment yeah. complex. I, there, I've seen pictures of it when I was researching. It's quite large. Um, police knocked on every single door. If no one answered, they would enter the apartment. Which I don't know if you're allowed to do now. Um, I think that's changed. But I think it might have changed. Like, I I believe you... Or... I've just always been under the understanding that you need a warrant to enter someone's apartment. Or unless they kind of, like, enacted the whole, like, landlord way of doing it. Where it's, like, if they believe there's an emergency, a landlord can open the door. But it has to be, like, a very specific situation. Yeah, there could have been... That could have been the thing where it's, like, the landlord was, like, I will open the store for you. Yeah, Maybe. So, um, I imagine they probably had the landlord with them anyway, so you yeah. have to, like, bang down doors and stuff. But, yeah, so if they if they didn't answer, they would go inside to look. Um, they set up roadblocks around the building and used a public address system to circulate a description of Nicole's appearance and um, the clothing she was wearing to, like, neighborhood residents. So, there was basically, like, a loudspeaker in okay, the neighborhood I was just about blasting to ask what out. what that meant. Okay. Yeah, like, the her description, this kind well, of, this like, child is missing. A live Amber Alert. Just exactly. Just over speaker exactly. systems. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah, like an audio version of a of a Amber Alert. Okay. Uh, they Man, also, we still need that. I know. I know. They also played okay. Nicole's info over PA systems hooked up to police cars that were driving around. Okay. As well. So, same thing, like, in the complex it. and also police cars driving around, like, blasting it from their cars. Okay. Which again is like, that's that's a way to do it. That you is, know what I mean? Yeah. It's not. It's it gets not a you bad listening. idea. Like it gets for sure. someone walking their dog in the street. Like, oh, actually, now I'm on the lookout. Someone's like, oh, okay, an eight year old girl in like a peach colored bathing suit. Okay, I'm looking. Cool. <laughs> like that's something yeah. that actually, and especially like that color would like stand out for sure. So if you notice like, someone, yeah. I noticed that earlier or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So so they were yeah they were blasting her info on on all these speakers around the neighborhood. A woman in the building recognized Nicole from photograph as the little girl she saw traveling down in the elevator around 11 a.m. So they found a witness that was like, okay, I saw her in the elevator. So they could place her in the elevator. She did get on. Um, Nicole apparently exited the elevator and entered the lobby, but police have no further information on Nicole's whereabouts after she stepped foot off the elevator. Okay. Because this person just saw her get off. And her friend was waiting there too. So like it would be like elevator to lobby. That's the thing, right? Is that her friend's waiting at the intercom like vestibule. Yeah, and and she gets off the elevator and the lobby is sort of right there. So something in between the elevator and the intercom system where her friend was waiting 
happened. Yeah. And her friend didn't see it. And do you happen to know, maybe you don't, is it like laid out at all kind of in the same manner of like, like, for example, your old apartment building where like, if you stood in the lobby, you can't actually see the elevators. I assume so. There, there are, we will get to like, they do a couple reenactment videos. Okay. And they don't really show a clear layout for sure. Um, Okay. But I'm assuming that like, if the elevator doors opened up to a clear view of where her friend was standing, her friend would have seen her friend would have seen her at least step foot off the elevator. Yeah. So I'm assuming that it's like at least a little bit around a corner or something, or it's like in a Vision hallway. Obstructed. That's just, there's just a little bit of a wall hiding it, and she could have gone this way, or she could have gone into the lobby. Like. Yeah. But the witness said she stepped foot like into the lobby, so it's hard to it's hard, it's hard to, to know. Imagine. Okay. Okay. Um. The day after Nicole went missing, additional personnel were brought into the case, including marine units, helicopter operators, foot patrollers, uh, tracking dogs, and mounted horsemen. Oh, that's everybody. Yeah. That's that's all of them. That's literally everybody. That is all yeah, of it. <laughs> for sure. And minus, like, divers. Yeah. Um. So they began... They're in the pool. Yeah. Like... <laughs> Honestly. Honestly, like at this point, yeah, no stone unturned. <laughs> yeah. They began searching the area near Highway 27, close to the apartment building. Um, the tracking dogs were brought into the building's underground parking garages, utility rooms, storage units, and some pump rooms. Okay. They searched every corner of the West Mall apartments to just to see if anything was missed or they could find any additional evidence, a piece of clothing, anything. Okay. Over 900 residents in the neighborhood joined the search for Nicole. Oh, my God. That's a lot that's of That's a really... That's a pretty big that's search, a, That's a big sure. turnout. Like, that's... I know sometimes we cover cases where it's, like, small towns and, like, it's, like, two or 300 people where it's, like, that's all they can kind of muster. But, like, again, this is Etobicoke, so that it's a very highly populated area. Yeah, and that's a good chunk of people. 900 people is a that's lot of people. quite yeah. a bit. <laughs> a neighbor recalled seeing... A blonde woman with a notebook on the 20th floor where Nicole's apartment was around 10, 15 a.m. But this woman was never found or identified. We don't know if she was significant or not or it's just a woman seen on the 20th floor. Okay. Um, and again, I don't know whether – how the layout of the building was that, like, if you were on the 20th floor, there's only one penthouse. So, like, I you're see. there – you could only be there for one, one resident place. or is it, like – Two, split into two or four yeah. you know what i mean so yeah. i'm not i'm not sure because like the apartment building i used to live in i think there was four penthouse apartments that was the same with my old apartment like it wasn't necessarily yeah. considered penthouse but that was where like four of the larger units were that were like either three bedrooms or just had a balcony when yeah. the others didn't so, yeah. yeah so i don't i'm not sure i couldn't really find that information so she easily could have been there for like another apartment or if the entire penthouse was nicole's apartment then there would be maybe no other reason why she could be there other than for Nicole or her mom. But okay. this woman was never found. Um, Toronto Crime Stoppers, which had apparently just been formed, like, recently at this time, because, huh. again, this was 85. Yeah. Okay. Um, Toronto Crime Stoppers took on Nicole's disappearance as its, its first high-profile case. They posted a reward of $1,000. Um, Crime Stoppers also printed posters... And they produced um, a video reenactment of Nicole's last known movements throughout the building. Okay. Which was aired on television a few weeks after she disappeared. So they were responsible for the first reenactment video. Okay. There are more that come. In the video reenactment, um, this kind of like breaks my heart a little bit. Nicole's friend Jenny plays Nicole. No, I don't like it. I don't like that. I It just, it breaks my heart because I think it was one of those things where... 
they were she was probably like i want to help yeah you know okay. what i mean yeah. so like i get that i want to help find my friend um yeah it's like just i don't so know if, i don't know yeah it, it and... is sad of course um the toronto police also printed six thousand copies of missing child posters with a photograph of nicole on them and 3,000 copies of a watercolor sketch of Nicole to be distributed to police departments and posted up all over the city. Okay. So, yeah, needless to say, this was a super high-profile case, like extremely. Um, The only small piece of evidence that was found shortly after Nicole went missing was a notebook that was found in her bedroom. Still a little bit disputed as to, like, of course what this means but about a month before her disappearance there was a note written by nicole in pencil that read i'm going to disappear oh and like okay she was eight so in my head i'm like that could mean nothing it could mean absolutely nothing or it could mean everything i don't know but she was eight and like yeah you know kids just sometimes write things you know what i I mean i wrote a letter once to my grandma i think when i was like about eight saying that i was gonna like leave the family and come move in with her instead and then like i'm pretty sure my mom found it like 10 minutes later she was like where are you going <laughs> and it was like literally just to like my grandma's house and i was like i'm fucking leaving forever <laughs> so like it could be what like it could be could have been, like yeah that. could have been like, like she just had a little fight with her mom yeah. or something. I was like i'm gonna disappear could be- or she could have been feeling like sad or depressed in some yeah. way and was like I'm just going to, like, disappear as in, like, I'm going to fade into the background. I'm just going to, like, fade away. You know, it could... There's so many different meanings. Or it could mean nothing, like I said. So this was literally their only piece of evidence. Yeah. Which, like I said, is almost nothing. And, too, like, when you have almost nothing, you cling on to something like that as, like, the holy grail of Mm -hmm. evidence. Yeah. 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 Okay. So at that point in time... This was the largest missing person investigation in the history of the Toronto Police Service, and it is still considered one of the largest and most expensive investigations ever conducted by the Toronto Police. Wow. Okay. The first year of the investigation cost $1.8 million. Wow. Uh, a 20-member task force was formed and remained active for nine months. Okay. 25,000 man-hours were invested into following uh, up on tips and leads um, by November, over because she went missing in July. Um, by November, I lost my place. <laughs> over six thousand people, including hundreds of sex offenders, had been questioned by the Toronto Police Service, okay. which is a lot of people. That's yeah, that's a very expansive list. Uh, the police also offered a one hundred thousand dollar reward for Nicole's safe wow. return. And that would have been, like, a massive amount for it, the time period, yeah. It said it was completely unprecedented. Yeah. A, a reward that high had never been offered. Yeah. And that reward still stands today. Okay. Um, a family, all family members and acquaintances of Nicole um, and the Morin family were cleared as suspects. Nicole's uncle was looked into at one point. Um, police traveled to Quebec to interview him as he had... He had murdered his wife. Oh, oh no. So definitely oh. someone you probably would want to look into, I guess. Yeah. Um, so or he even had just murdered... like have a conversation with maybe. Yeah. So he had murdered Nicole's aunt. Um, so it was her father. Um, her father's name is Art. So it was Art's sister, Gertrude. Who that was, was murdered. That was okay. murdered. That's really um, unfortunate. Holy... In 1961. So it was quite a while before, but still, like we said, someone probably worth talking to. Was he 
like imprisoned i or just like out being like yeah no murder happened but i'm out it he must have been out at this point if they were questioning him because okay. if he was still in prison he wouldn't have been able to take do Nicole. anything exactly well yeah That's but if was it was like, 1961 what? like maybe he went to prison for like x amount of time 20 it years yeah, and, and then, then got out Okay, makes sense. Kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. he was out at this point. It was determined that he was not in Toronto at the time of Nicole's disappearance. Okay. Nicole's father, Arthur, or Art, um, raised funds to have Nicole's disappearance investigated privately. Okay. So he set up an office and he participated in these private investigations in Canada and he went down to the U.S. as well. Wow. He then returned to Toronto, and um, him and Jeanette permanently separated in 1987. Oh, it's so sad. Like, yeah. So it that would just tear your relationship apart. It would yeah. a lot. Yeah, I would say like, I don't, I don't know the the stats. I would say most couples probably wouldn't survive that. Yeah, it either um, brings you way closer together or really just rocks. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it didn't say there wasn't much information about like the state of their marriage before of course. Nicole. Yeah. It could have just been, like, non-impressive, like, just a regular relationship. Like, yeah. yeah. I, so, so yeah. So, he he went off. He investigated a lot on his own. Okay. Um, and then 1987, which is two years after she went missing, they separated. Art continued to follow up on potential leads throughout Canada and the U.S. Um, well into the 90s. Okay. In 2001, Toronto Crime Stoppers released an age-enhanced photograph of Nicole, um, who would have been 24 at that time. Okay. The photo was distributed to over 1,000 Crime Stoppers programs in 17 countries via the internet. Okay. Uh, because it's 2001, right? So very, like, sort of early internet early, days. Yeah. So they were utilizing that as a resource. In 2004, a Belgian organization known as, and this is French, so I'm not going to say all of this right, Foundation Princesses de Croix et Massimo Lancelotti. Okay. All right. That's a title. I'm not going to call it that. No. But I was going to say, are you going to say that every time? Every time. <laughs> foundation Princesses de uh, Massimo. <laughs> um, this foundation came out with information from their investigation into a pedophile network in Zandvoort, Netherlands. Okay. So this pedophile network... Hey, you know what shouldn't exist? Pedophile, pedophile networks. networks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For that's, sure. That's gotta sure. go, guys. We can't not, do that. No, it's not the kind of networking no, that should be allowed. No, that's not networking. No. This So this pedophile network had been investigated by a Dutch organization called Bureauzieklich. Okay. Because I definitely said that, right? It's probably better uh, than me trying to say it, so you're doing great. <laughs> Um, and they had um, published photos from their file of some of the children they believed had been victims of the Zandfort network. Okay. A Canadian citizen who was working with the foundation that I had said before. <laughs> <laughs> that one. Yes, I, I, we know. <laughs> yeah. Um, she discovered these photos on the internet and made an effort to see if she could match any photos to those in the RCMP's database of missing children. Wow, okay. She came across a photo that she believed matched very closely to what Nicole Morin would have looked like at that time. And the okay. foundation did uh, what's called a biometric analysis on this photo. Ooh. So they used software to compare certain points on the person's face that apparently do not change with age. 
uh, weight or surgical operations, such as the distance between the pupils, um, the nostrils, or the shape of the zygomatic muscle. So okay. certain things, I guess, like as you age, that just like don't change. So they can use those as point of reference, I guess. Yeah, to see like similarities. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Super interesting science, yeah. of course. Um, the results of the biometric analysis which are explained on the foundation's website, revealed a difference of 285.429 points. So I'll explain what okay. that means. They yeah. said that anything under 300.0 points is considered an undeniable identification. Anything under 300. Under 300, and this was 285. Okay. They also explained that this does not necessarily mean that Nicole was trafficked to Holland only proves that her kidnapper abused her and took photos of her during abuse that were then later distributed to this pedophile pedophile network in okay. Danvor. It doesn't it necessarily doesn't mean that she was there. Okay. Yes. Okay. That's what they're kind of like they wanted to make clear is that like these were photos that were uncovered through an investigation of this network and and there were photos of many, many children. Yeah. But they didn't necessarily find all of these children, okay. right? And they okay. couldn't determine that they were all there. This could just be, again, this is early internet days, too. So, like, could uh, have been distribution yeah. distribution of child pornography, basically, and yeah. things like that. Yeah. So, the foundation still believes that Nicole's abductor was someone in the vicinity or in her building, as most pedophiles do operate close to home. Yeah, They just true. think that somehow, like, they that they did take photos that it... And that photo maybe traveled Sent or got it, into whatever, hands of other people. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, it, again, we can't we can't be certain. Okay. Um, their their biometric analysis seems certain that like it is Nicole, but again, there's still a lot of people that don't believe that that picture is of Nicole as well. Yeah. I've seen the picture. It's very. It's not like a clear picture of someone standing there. It's like a side sort of view of like a partial kind of face. Yeah, you know what I like mean? A it's not shot, but like sort of yeah, like a half profile. Okay. So it's hard to say several additional video reenactments have been made of nicole's last movements including one from the television show gta's most wanted okay in 2007 i saw this one um the girls playing nicole and jenny in the video i was like at first i was like am i watching the right video <laughs> the girls playing nicole and jenny look like 15 at the youngest like they straight up look like uh, adult women. oh is it like the uh, like the whole thing where they get like 50 year old actors to play a 19 year old and i try guess to so you? but like they're supposed to be eight okay yeah that's that's a jump <laughs> like that's they're a like jump. these very like tall slender women like that women, like basically. look like teenagers <laughs> yeah. at the youngest yeah um, and i was like what the fuck am i watching <laughs> uh anyways it was a reenactment of the movements so they they recreated that in 2014 29 years after Nicole had gone missing, mm -hmm. the Toronto police launched the hashtag find Nicole social media campaign, creating okay. another re video reenactment that was shared online and screened at Max convenience stores throughout Ontario. Okay. Yeah. Just to sort of like keep this prominent in, in the public eye. Yeah. yeah. Like they're really like doing everything they that's, can here. And that's here. really recent. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, just three months after the launch of this campaign, police conducted a ground search on Horseshoe Valley Road in Springwater Township. So that's 20 kilometers north of Barrie. Okay. Yep. Um, and this was based on a call to Crime Stoppers. So the citizen who called asked police to revisit a tip 
that had been sent to the OPP back in 1985 when the investigation first began. Um, the ground search, unfortunately, did not turn up any new clues. Okay. But it was just a call that was made that said, I think you should revisit this area. Okay. Don't know. Obviously, we don't know why. But um, they did search it. So for the 30th anniversary of Nicole's disappearance in 2015, the Toronto police organized a 5K run called Nicole's Run at Centennial Park in Etobicoke. It included a candlelight vigil and the run collected $3,000 in donations for the Canadian Centre for Child Protection. Okay. Uh, Child Find Ontario has also made efforts to maintain public awareness around the case by arranging for Nicole's picture, physical description, and age-enhanced photographs to appear on screens in SO gas stations, okay. uh, billing envelopes for Rogers Cable, and on the backs of trucks and on screens for Canadian Imperial Bank, Commerce, and Toronto Transit Commission. Okay. Which is the TTC, obviously. So, yeah. So, like, her... Age-enhanced photographs are still being out there, out there, like being put out there, and there are campaigns using them to just try and again, like keep because with any um, child who's been missing this long, that we don't have remains, remains, of course, that there is still the possibility that they're alive. They're obviously going to look very, very different now. Yeah. So a lot of a lot of the times, these age-enhanced photographs are spread about and and used. To sort of keep that case in the public eye, yeah. but this is the updated sort of visual of what we think what they we could think look like. Would, and it's the yeah. best that we can do. They could have a different color hair, like yeah. they could have tattoos on their face. Like we yeah. don't know, but it's something. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. In 2019, the Toronto Police Missing Persons Unit released an, uh, an age-enhanced picture of Nicole showing what she might look at, at look like at age 42. Because that's how... She, oh, she'd be now, in 20, right? In 2019. In 2019. Okay. So yeah. now she would be 46. Yep. Yeah. In all the meticulous searching and canvassing, media exposure, private investigators, and global attention, not a single significant piece of evidence or extremely valuable, viable sorry, lead has turned up. And Nicole herself, nor her body, has ever been found. She... Vanished. Vanished, yeah. Um, Art Morin, Nicole's dad, in 2010, there's a quote from him saying, "Uh, I couldn't imagine that it would be 25 years and she's still missing. When Nicole disappeared, I honestly believed we would be able to find her. I cannot help but keep my hope up that one day she will surface again. I really don't like to think that she's dead, but she hasn't turned up. You could say maybe that I'm having false hope. I don't think it's false hope at all. No. I, don't I think mean, that's, like, any parent would want to believe that. I mean, even, like, when, when we sit here and talk about, like, child disappearances, like, I I don't think I ever go to the place of, like, oh, they're probably dead. Like, my brain always goes to, like, I just hope they're alive and yeah. well. And, like, we talked about this last night, mm-hmm. especially talking about the Madeline McCann stuff. Like, I just hope they're being taken care of and in, like, a relatively okay situation. Yeah. That's all you can hope. I don't think it's false hope at all. I think that's, I think it's better to have that than no no hope at all. uh, Absolutely. Absolutely. Or that you've been searching for them for decades and they're like lying in the ground somewhere. That's not what you want to be thinking about. And no, I think it's better to to hope. I think it's better to see the optimism and not finding anything rather than finding something bad. And I find that, like, with cases like this, I often do find that parents say things like that. There are other cases I've seen where parents are like, 
it's been so long, I do think that they're probably dead, but I still want answers. Of course. Um, Everyone deals with it in a different way. Yeah. There's Um, no wrong way to deal with something like this because no no. one can prepare you for it. No. And it's a situation that it's statistically very few people go through. So no one... No one has the tools. No. No one can can say how you're supposed to be processing this, especially over such a long period of time. No way. Yeah. Uh, sometime in the early 2000s, Art stopped personally following up on leads in Nicole's uh, case and removed himself as an active investigator. He felt he had done everything humanly possible to find her. I'm sure he did, yeah. Yeah. Um, but he has to also focus on, like, living his life, too. Yeah. He puts faith and trust in the Toronto police, who are still actively pursuing the investigation and can only hope that one day he'll find answers. Um, unfortunately, Nicole's mother, Jeanette, passed away of a heart attack in 2007. Okay. That's so rough. Ugh. Yeah. I mean, I, that's I still... hate hearing stuff like that because that's not like the first time we've heard that in a case like this where a parent passes away yeah. before having answers. And it's yep. just like, I hate that aspect. Absolutely. I mean, and she still lived 22 years searching and wondering and hoping. That's what and I mean. You it's... know what I mean? Like, that's, it's heartbreaking. Yeah. Um... Crime Stoppers continued to receive tips about Nicole's. They continue to receive tips about Nicole's disappearance even today. Many have commented that this is partially because of the effect this case had on Torontonians and the wider population. Mm-hmm. Nicole lived in what was considered to be a very safe neighborhood. Yep. And back in 1985, it was perfectly normal, like I said, to let your child Absolutely. wander about and play in the vicinity of their home unattended. Mm-hmm. Um, this was one of the first missing child cases that made people realize that it wasn't safe to leave young children unattended, even in places that seemed safe. Yep. Yeah. Which is your own apartment building. Yeah. Like, she had been sent down to get the mail just, like, that morning, less than an hour before yeah. by herself. Went down and got the mail, came, came back, back up. up. Something like Fine. this could have happened during that trip down to the lobby, but it just happened yeah. on another trip down to the lobby. Exactly. But how many trips had she made down to the lobby or to her pool yeah. with a friend before that? Probably yeah. hundreds. Yeah. You like, know, it's not, so it's just like, it, it, it would shake a community. Yeah. For sure. Would. Because everyone would sit there thinking, all parents would sit there thinking, I let my kid do these things. And all kids would be sitting there thinking, I do this all the time. What happened? Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. It really struck a lot of people and families, and it sounds like it was it was that one big case that sort of, you know, um, instigated that, like, yeah. loss of innocence that a lot of people talk about in communities when a case like this happens. That yeah, it changes things. It does, um, which, again, we, we've heard many times this happening, you know, from the 50s and 60s onwards into, you know, in all com- communities all over North America yeah. and the world. And unfortunately, you know, even even today, like there are small communities and stuff that you that just feel so safe and so sort of like walled off from the rest of the world that they're like, well, it would have to be some like obvious outsider that would come in and do this. Right. Where it's like, that's not always the case. It's not always the case. Right. And it's just it's easy, I think, to sort of feel safe in your home or in your town that you grew up in or it just feels a certain way and you just feel invincible to like the world's dangers but unfortunately it's just there's always something out there yeah you know um but uh south etobicoke's 22 division maintains an active team of officers working on nicole's file they believe that someone out there 
knows something yep. about what happened to Nicole. That's and that's always the case. Somebody does know someone something. Someone does know like, something. So one of my favorite podcasts, Someone Knows Something, BBC, <laughs> listen to it. But it's it's true. Someone always knows something. Yeah. And um, they believe that the key to to uncovering that information is is to maintain public awareness yep. of of Nicole's disappearance. So that's that's obviously what they've been doing. In July of uh the last year, 2022, okay. a Canadian volunteer organization called Please Bring Me Home conducted a search in an undisclosed park in Etobicoke, a few kilometers away from Nicole's apartment building. Okay. The Please Bring Me Home investigators were accompanied by cadaver dogs and their handlers from Black Tracks Canine Organization. Okay. The search was based on a tip from a woman who, two years prior, had claimed she might have seen Nicole the morning she disappeared with a man that she knew, that this, like, witness knew. Okay. Um, the woman, like, that came out two years ago, yeah. would have been 12 years old at the time. Okay. So she was a child at the time um, of Nicole's disappearance. And the man she thinks she saw with Nicole had sexually assaulted her, the witness, as a child. Okay. Okay. So so if this is true, this girl who was 12 at the time saw Nicole walking with a sex offender. Yes. It was determined this woman had enough information in her account to warrant a search of the area she claimed to have seen Nicole in okay. walking with this man. The search covered 45% of the park area, and the cadaver dogs did get a hit. Um, a hit means that the dogs were detecting an odor that appears as if it is coming from human remains. Okay. Just to be clear, it doesn't necessarily definitively mean Nicole's remains. Just human, human remains. remains. Okay. The area indicated uh, was apparently really hard to get to and was covered in dense foliage. Um, the dogs... In the article I was reading, it said the dogs will come back in a few weeks to verify this spot and cover the rest of the park. Um, because ultimately, uh, the park is municipal land. It mm. will... Okay. I guess I guess it's up to the police to decide whether an excavation and further DNA testing will be conducted. Yeah, okay. So they can search the park. They can't excavate it. Okay. Um... Yeah. Is there any updates on that? Because that, if that was last summer, like, do we know if an excavation is going to happen? I couldn't find any updates on that okay. particular search. Okay. So that's why, I, like, because I, I couldn't remember because I wrote this weeks ago. I had it in brackets where it's like the dogs will come back in a few weeks because I think I was like, that's just in the article, but I couldn't find any updated okay. articles about that specific area. Right, right. Okay. Um, detectives from the Homicide and Missing Persons Unit dug up and examined soil from another undisclosed location north of Toronto around this time as well. Okay. This is a separate thing because it seems to be motivated by a desire to uncover whether Nicole's case could have been connected to the case of Christine Jessup. I, Yes. Which is I'm not a case, case. Yeah, we are familiar with that case. It's something that we likely will cover. So I'm not going to go into that in detail. No. It's just something that uh, there was there's there's relatively speculation. Connected. Yeah, based on some similarities, whether they might be connected. Yeah. Um. So 
that that search was done, the soil was examined from a different location to see if there was maybe connections there. It was probably there. in, like, Holland Landing, which is essentially, like, Newmarket area. Yeah, because it says lo- a location north of Toronto. So, yeah. yes, that would absolutely make sense. So Because if, if the, they were thinking it's any at all related to Christine Jessup, that's where it would yeah, be. Yeah, because there is this account from this witness, yeah. this um, 12-year-old girl at the time. Yeah. That they're like, we're going to follow up on that. This organization is following up on that. So they're, and then the missing persons use unit is following up on this. So they are kind of, they're still exploring all possibilities, which I think is amazing. Because sometimes cases like this, they fizzle with police and they stop looking. They stop looking. Like it happens. Absolutely. So So I think, and like my heart breaks because... I wish every case could have this kind of publicity and, and resources dedicated to it. Yes. It's amazing for Nicole and for her family that people are still trying so hard. But there are still so many missing kids but that aren't getting attention. so many missing children that I think about that are like, yeah. they're not getting this kind of attention. And they're usually in a very particular population of people. Yes. And it's just not right. Every child deserves to be found. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And let's put it. Bluntly, Nicole was a yes. white child from a very wealthy family, so it got attention. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Her dad had the resources and the money to be able to go and investigate and all over North America by himself. Like, yeah. not everyone has no. the ability to do that. No, um, that's amazing that he used his money and time to absolutely. do that. Absolutely, yeah. Because not like, everyone would. But it's, it's a different type of privilege that it's it's great that that you have that, and that yeah. is fantastic because it means that you're much closer to bringing home Nicole. But again, there is still the other end of things where it's just... Yeah. Yeah. But it does seem like, uh, of course, again, this case is still very active because, mm-hmm. like I said, the updates of these searches and stuff were from, like, the last two years. Yeah. So uh, I think there's still very much hope. I think And I think hope. there's still a huge, huge possibility that this could be solved. Um But, yeah, so anyone with information about Nicole Morin's disappearance is asked to call police at the Toronto police at 416-808-2200 or Crime Stoppers anonymously at 416-222-TIPS. That's 416-222-8477. Or you can go online at www.222tips.com or you can text T-O-R and your message to crimes, which is 274-637. There's a lot of avenues here. Lots. Lots. We will also great. put those on the show notes, We will too. put them in the show notes. Yeah. An updated age-enhanced photo of what Nicole would look like can be found on the RCMP's Canada's Missing page. And a significant feature to remember is Nicole has a birthmark on her right upper forehead. Okay. Um, and if her teeth were never altered with braces, she would have a gap between her two top middle teeth. Okay. Gap between the middle teeth and a birthmark on her right upper forehead. Okay. So those are these sort of significant features. But again, go and look at those photos and I will be posting them as well. Perfect. Um, because again, we, we have those. So let's utilize them. Use them. Yeah. Yeah. Circulate them some more. Yeah, of course. Do you see what I mean about the Madeline McCann I feel? Do. Like, it's yeah. just one of those things where it's, like... It's, uh, like, it's so f- weird, too. And I just, I, I don't know, I keep thinking of, like, this woman that has this memory from when she's 12. Like, if that's true, that's terrifying to have lived with that memory forever, especially mm-hmm. knowing, like, she experienced assault herself. But, like, I, yeah, I couldn't imagine, like, looking back on my childhood and being, like, 
I remember seeing this person that has been talked about now for like almost 30 plus years, 40 yeah, years, 40 years. Yeah. And, and have this visual in my mind of them walking off with like a known sex offender. Like mm-hmm. that would haunt you. Yeah. It's just, and it's so, yeah. it's, it's obviously the only reason that this stuck in her memory is because she saw a man who she experienced trauma with. Otherwise, she wouldn't have noticed this man at all. Of course. Yeah. So it's unfortunate that she had to experience this trauma at all. But the reason she remembers this is because of that trauma. So it's one of those things where, again, like people, this is such a perfect example of like, even if you have information or you saw something or you have a memory that you're like, I don't think this is really significant, but like, it's still in your head. It's stuck with you all this time. Yeah. It could be significant, and yeah. I'm I'm very glad that she came forward because it could it, mean it could very well lead everything. to something. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. So yeah. here we are, right? Where there's still hope, where there's people that might remember things from literally 40 years ago and be it like, "Hey, all the time, it does." Like, I don't know if this is a for sure thing, but I might have seen this, and yeah. that solves a case. Yeah, it happens all the time. Yeah. I, yeah, I see a lot of the similarities too. Like, just with her having that memory too, it, make, it reminds me of the person in the Madeline McCann case that like saw somebody carrying a child yep. right at that exact like moment and yep. genuinely believed that was the abduction. Yep. It's just wild to me. Like, I know. I know. Just absolutely wild. Wow. I've like always heard like just like snippets of this case. I didn't know it in full detail. So it's just. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't know all the details either, and it it is. I I guess I didn't quite realize how big of a case it was because, like I said, we it was before yeah. we were born. Um, but you kind of mention it to anyone like our in our parents' generation, and they'll be like, "Oh yeah, I remember mm-hmm. seeing her face everywhere." Probably. Yeah. 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 Fucking crazy. Well, you did a great job covering that. Thanks. So. And like we said, no, hopefully, hopefully, hopefully we, we get, get more answers. updates. Soon. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and if there are any updates, I will. She'll I'll update, update this episode. Absolutely. We'll do an update. I'd be happy to do an update if we find out more I stuff. would love for there to be more updates. I would Absolutely. love to be able to start wrapping up some of our unsolved cases. I, mean, I, we, I think everybody feels Wouldn't that Wouldn't that be great? That would yeah. just be great. Yeah. <laughs> I think that would be awesome. I think that's it. That is it. I think that's it. That's all for today, folks. That wasn't a fun episode. No, it's not. It wasn't. But that's okay. That's okay. Sorry, guys. Well, keep your eyes peeled. We will post the pictures and yeah. post the links. Yeah, and again, and you can find those videos and stuff too on like the reenactment, like the reenactment yeah. videos on YouTube. I'm gonna watch Google them. them. Yeah. yeah, there's there. I I found two. I I heard that there was three made. I think I only found two. Um, but again, it does just sort of show the last steps of of Nicole and kind of like what what the police have been dealing with it puts for you all in these it. years, yeah, right? Like, like to understand where the information stops. Yeah, and where the gaps are. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. All right. Well, on that note, sign up to be super cool. Join our cult of extremely awesome people who love true crime at www.patreon.com slash how to not get killed. And if you ever want to chat and connect with us, you can send us an email to how to not get killed at gmail.com. Or you can DM us or comment on our posts on Instagram at how to not get killed. And you can also follow us on Twitter at H2NGK. And you can also check out our website and shop our merch at www.patreon.com how to not get killed.com i one of, the, over. one of those websites <laughs> sorry <laughs> that's okay honestly as you were saying it i was also saying it wrong in my head and i was like what's going on it was you it was me it was i was you. making it happen yeah. <laughs> all right well all right, guys. thanks for listening peace out <laughs>
Keep it sleazy. <laughs>